Episode 180 of The PJ Archive is a phone interview I did with the English singer Buster Bloodvessel, who has been the frontman for Bad Manners since forming the Two-Tone Scar Band in 1976. Thanks to a string of hits in the early 1980s, such as Lip Up Fatty, Special Brew, Lorraine, Can Can and Walking in the Sunshine, Bad Manners have enjoyed popularity all over the world ever since. Known for being big, bald and bonkers on stage, Buster is one of the truly great characters of popular music. This interview took place in late 2022, with Bad Manners about to undertake a long British tour until early 2023. Details can be found on the Bad Manners official Facebook page. You've got a 26-date UK tour coming up. How do you feel about that? Is this the highlight of your year? I always look forward to the Christmas tour, yes. I do enjoy doing one show after another. When you call it a Christmas tour, does that mean you do another tour in the year as well? Yeah, we always do. Yeah, we do a summer tour and we do smaller little tours throughout the year. What motivates you to keep doing it after all this time and at this age? (laughs) Good question. The love for performance. The band are playing good and I'm performing to the best of my ability with the crowd. And the crowd respond with their enthusiasm. I bet they do, yeah. And do you tour abroad as well as in Britain? And what other countries have Bad Manners been big in? Okay, so we do tour abroad all the time. Um, very big at this moment. It's weird how it always changes. But at this moment, definitely, we are big in South America. Mainly, the best one in South America is Mexico. But Brazil, we've just recently done. And Argentina really loves us. And Chile really loves us. So the four are quite big for us. And is it always roughly the same show, a kind of greatest hits? It is basically the same show, yes. It does change. There are other songs that we put in every now and again. But there is a killer set that I know if we're going to play that set, we will win. But there are other places in Europe that we're big on as well. You know, Germany, France, Italy, Spain. They're also equally as big. And they have their moments when they're very big. And and Scandinavia, we've extensively toured around there, and it's always been very good for us. But it's the same show, no matter what country we're in, but there is a killer set that I know that it will win anybody over. And is the encore of that Lip Up Fatty? The encore of that usually has always been Lip Up Fatty, but it's usually the second song in. It's never the first one. Right. And then the last song, of, of course, tops the bill, which um, nobody can really follow. And we've noticed, you know, many bands have tried to follow us, but they can't. It's the Can Can. Of course, yes. Can you still do it? Not as well as I used to. That is absolutely right. I mean, I'm, I still try. Um, I can still kick my legs pretty high. Yeah. But I can't repeatedly do it like I used to. <laughs> I mean, in the day when I did it with the... Folibugere in Paris it was quite a, a feat and uh, and I enjoyed doing it and you know I'd kick my leg repetitively but I really can't 
say I can do it as good as that nowadays. What did the Folly Berger make of you? It's what I made of them. It's what I should, you should ask. <laughs> um, they made of me like some sort of English crazy man. They did like me. Um, they were very pleased with our style of the kank, and which is obviously faster than the, the way they do it. Yes. And they enjoyed performing it with me. Although we didn't do it to the public. We only did it to the chosen few that was in the place at the time. You must have thought you'd died and gone to heaven being surrounded by all those young ladies, those beautiful ladies. All over six foot. Yes. And they were stunning. And of course, you know, the way they dressed and their physical bodies were absolutely Mm. in their prime. Yes, I had thought that I was dead and gone to heaven. Yeah. How tall are you, by the way? I'm five eight. Oh, really? I thought you were much taller than that. Yeah, mm. everyone sort of gets that impression yeah. because of the camera angles on top of the pops made me look about ten foot. So people have always thought yeah. I'm shorter than what I am. How challenging have you found performing at every show hits you had in the early 80s? Well, you, you know, you can always get bogged down by doing a certain song if you don't love it but you know I'm lucky enough that the Bad Banner songs have got a a longevity to them that I'm very happy with possibly the hardest and the one that I least like is the Can Can yet it was our biggest hit and my favorite song is always Lip Up Fatty even though it wasn't our biggest hit it's our most well known and what we're known for yeah, I like walking in the sunshine myself. Well, well, all of those are classics, so yeah, are. I enjoy playing all of those, but they weren't actually that big a, a hit in the day compared to some of them. How long is your set each night? Is it like 90 minutes or something? Um, we do a 90-minute set. An hour and 20 minutes is possibly our best set, and then there's the people that only want an hour set, and then there's mad people that only want 20 minutes of bad manners, which is virtually impossible for me to do. Yeah, I bet. And 26 gigs is a lot to undertake. To what extent do you prepare physically? I don't prepare these days. I just throw myself in the deep end. I suppose, you know, even though I'm quite a large chap, I'm quite physically fit. Although age is taking its toll, And I do feel a bit like, how am I going to do this when it starts? That's why I don't like taking gaps. Because the more I perform, the more I get into it. And and it sort of makes me lose my worries of of performance. I I just throw myself in the deep end, as I say. And it works. It just has a magical ability to uh, get through the the months. And how fit and well are you now? Okay, so just coming back off this Brazilian tour, I feel quite exhausted. The problem with Brazil is the altitude Mm. and uh, performing such and not being able to breathe properly. That's quite a challenge, that is, in itself. So Mm. I've come back quite exhausted. Mm. Um, So I have taken a couple of days off. But I'm also, you know, I'm, I'm flitting around here and there doing other things. I hope you avoided COVID during the pandemic. Well, luckily enough, I was living in Bulgaria at the time. So the place where I was in Velika Tanovo, 
nobody was actually died of COVID. Everybody lived with COVID mm. and got over it. It was a mild form of COVID there. What percentage of your life these days is bad manners? And what percentage was it in the early 80s? Oh. In the early 80s, wherever I went, people obviously recognised and, and knew who I was. Um, nowadays, it's not so, so big on that front. You know, and we were recording all the time then. Well, I'm not really recording much these days. So I would say then it was probably about 80% of my life was bad banners. And I'd say now, I'd say about 70%. It's still quite big because we still play that many shows per year. And what do you do when you're not involved with the band? Through COVID, I opened a little bar in Velikotonovo oh. in Bulgaria. And that took up quite a bit of my time then. What's it called? Um, a Buster's Bar. Okay. Yeah, pretty simple. <laughs> <laughs> now what do I do? I'm still quite an obsessive eBay buyer. I like sort of strange vehicles. Anything that's a bit different, I like. Something that can actually drive in on a road or Yes, yes, toys? definitely something that you can drive on a road, yes. So how many vehicles do you have then? At this moment, I would say that I've got about six. And all bought on eBay? All bought on eBay, yeah. And usually wow. not... Yeah, I buy things cheaply and then get mechanics to do them up. Are they like flash cars? Like really... Not really flash. No, I'm not really a flash person. Right. Although I do like a limo. But I don't mind a battered up old limo. You must have a lot of space on your driveway. Um, I haven't got a driveway over here. Yeah, I live on a houseboat. Is your bar still open, by the way, in Bulgaria, or is it closed? It is, it is, but we don't open it every day of the week. It's yeah. usually when I'm there, which, of course, this year I've not been there much. But it was open a lot when I was there over the uh, COVID period. And away from work, do you call yourself Douglas Woods or Trendle? And who else knows you by that name? Douglas Trendle? Um, not many people know me as Douglas Woods. Right. It is an adopted name. Yes. Um, because I was adopted. And, yes, yeah, so I call myself Douglas Trendle, away from Buster Blood Vessel. Hmm. Although most people still call me Buster. To what extent were you raised around music? So my brother was a definite Teddy boy. His name was Ted, so he was Ted the Ted. <laughs> and he used to listen to rock and roll. So I had all that side of of me and my sister was a mod and she sort of got me into all the supremes and you know all the soul stuff and and the mod stuff and so luckily enough I was brought up with both of those and of course my parents were both crooners so I had all the Jim Reeves and uh, you know Ingelbert Humbledink type of people as well yeah. Matt Monroe and all that yes yeah. of course Yes. When you were very young, did anyone ever tell you you'd be a star one day? Or did you even think that? You know, my parents said, you know, there's something special about you or something different about you, should I say. And, of course, I used to sing in the toilets to some of the rock and roll and the soul stuff. When I'd come out of the toilets, my mum would go, what on earth were you doing up there? <laughs> and so I used to practice on my own. I never thought that I was going to be a singer. I really thought that I was going to be an actor. 
uh, really excelled at school, the school plays and all things like that. And really thought that I was destined for stage, which, of course, eventually I was, but not what I thought I was going to be. Yes. But really enjoy being a musician and performing to get the crowds going. That's what I love to do. Were you always a big lad? Yes, always a big lad and always had short hair. Till I was a teenager, early days of my teenage years, I had long hair. What happened to it? I really got bored of long hair and hanging around with people with long hair. <laughs> and I really wanted to change that. So, yes, I, I then shaved. My mum my always used to complain of my hair. And so I went and shaved it off and came and knocked on the door and she opened the door and went, what have you done with your hair, Douglas? <laughs> she really missed it after I'd done that, but I said, well, you, it was you that I did it for. And of course, I love my shaved head. So you've shaved it ever since then, ever since you were a teenager? Since the age of 18, I believe that I've done it virtually all the time, yeah. I mean, wow. there are pictures of me during COVID where I, I swore that I would not shave my head again until I did a, another gig. So hmm. there was at least a year's worth of not shaving my head. But when I went for a residency picture for being in Bulgaria, they said, no, you've got to shave your head and you've got to look like your passport picture. Huh? So I had to go and do it. You can grow your hair, even now? Even now, yes. And I look like a tramp or something. That's what a lot of people described me as. Because it just grew it like mad all over the show, yeah. <laughs> the band you formed at school, was it called Bad Manners from the start? No, it started off at Stoop Solo and the Sheets Archers, which was a funny but unfunny name that we decided to call ourselves. And of course, it was during the period of punk was taking on and to start a band like ours we needed to stick out so we decided to call ourselves stoop solo and the sheet starchers and obviously club owners and pub owners at the time weren't that impressed with the name so that you know they said it's all too long and need to make a bit more snappier and when did you change it to bad manners then the bass player decided that it's time for a change. And I said, well, I've always wanted to be called Buster. Why? Because of somebody that I used to go swimming with when I was in Spain. His name was Buster, and he was a grown man, and I just admired him. So I always wanted to be called Buster. So he said to me, Buster Blood Vessel, which I thought was the best name ever. So I wanted to be called Buster Blood Vessel. And we came up with the name Bad Manners. And then that had a ring to it. We sort of dropped the, the Buster Blood Vessel, but I took it on as a character. A couple of years later, we then worked it out that it was in a Beatles film. Yes, Magical Mystery Tour. Absolutely. And uh, to be the, um, the bus conductor or the tour guide was the part that, I was playing. But you weren't in the Beatles film, right? No, I wasn't in the Beatles how, film. How do you mean you were playing the character? No, I wanted to play the character of Buster Blood Vessel that I thought it was. Okay. And so my stage performance was what I thought of Buster Blood Vessel and how he should play it. Mm. 
Did you ever meet Ivor Cutler, who played Buster Blood Vessel? In I Magic spoke Vessel? to him once on the phone. Somebody arranged it when I was very younger, and he, he sounded quite mad. And, of course, if you know anything about him, he's quite a bizarre man. Oh, was he? And when you formed Bad Manners, well, the original name of Bad Manners, but when you yep. started out with Bad Manners, what were your expectations of the band then? I wanted us to start a band simply because it means we could get together at the weekends, because we were all good friends at school. We could get together at the weekends, we could rehearse during the week or, you know, in the evenings, and go and do gigs at the weekends, get paid some money, get free booze, and meet girls. It was a very, you know, selfish mood that we put ourselves in. And it worked. We never aimed to be successful. We never took ourselves seriously. Even till this day, we still don't take ourselves seriously. I see so many artists that are so up their own bottoms and think that they, um, you know, are kind of special. And we've never thought that. We just think that we're a bunch of nutcases, really. Good fun. Yeah, good yeah, fun. That's all we ever wanted to do. Yes. Yeah. But did you think it would only last a few years or something? I certainly didn't think it would be a whole career of it. No, I certainly didn't think that. I, I'm sure in my mind, when we started to get record companies interested in us, that I thought this would be a very interesting path we would take now, that we'd have to become professionals. So quite fascinating to think that I think we've been doing it for 47, 48 years. And no, that never crossed my mind that we would last that long. And we, we will definitely make the 50. Did you always play two-tone and ska? Or was any other kind of music considered? Well, we have dabbled in other styles of music. But when we started, it was more R&B and humorous music. We was, you know, influenced by... People like Ian Jury and, and Louis Jordan, Perry's Prado, things like that was what we, was with us. And Bonzo Dog, Doodah Band. Hmm. So it, it was a mixture of rhythm and blues and silly music. How many of the original lineup have stayed in Bad Manners apart from you? You said it, just me. Unfortunately, everybody else has left and gone on to do other things. Some successful, some not so successful, but they're all they're all still part of the Bad Manners family, and many musicians have come and gone since then, and they're all part of the Bad Manners family as well. And not that many people have we fallen out with. There are some, but um, very rare, really. We still are a big family. Going Unfortunately, I'm mother. <laughs> Were you always going to be the lead singer? No, I originally started that I wanted to be a keyboard player, but I was absolutely rubbish at music, <laughs> and my timing was terrible. And my dedication to practice was even less. You know, I, I didn't want to practice. Hmm. I just wanted to be an instant star, and you couldn't be to be a keyboard player. I imagine your boisterous, bouncy stage performances came naturally to you, or did you ever plan any of it? No, absolutely natural. And um, from the day one, as soon as I got on that stage, I wanted to perform crazy and go mad and 
encourage others to do the same, especially the band, and then the audience. Did you ever consider doing anything else for a career or try any normal jobs? Uh, I did. I did uh, want to be an actor, so um, I tried to do that sort of thing. Yeah, that was uh, a while later, in 87, wasn't it? You did a couple of movies, but we'll talk about yeah, it. Yeah, I did, and I didn't enjoy my performances in those. Oh, okay. I, I suppose because it's so rigid, you've got to stick to the script, which <laughs> I wanted to make things up on the spot, and, of course, people don't want you to do that. <laughs> How quickly did Bad Manners go from school band to getting established? From school band in that period where Magnet Records took a, a punt at taking us on. I mean, if we started at 75, stroke 76, we started to play gigs in 76. 75 was our first show, and we was into rehearsals at that point. From then, the first hit was 79. Once we was on top of the pops, I think we didn't ha have a worry about looking back because we were instantly recognised by any taxi driver that was driving along. <laughs> as long as you shaved your head. Well, I, well, my head was always shaved, so yes, of course. And which well-known people have you been most excited to meet down the decades? Okay, well, there's been quite a few, to be honest. Um, Ian Jury was a good friend and someone I enjoyed going for drinks with. Same as Judge Dredd. Oh, gosh, now you've got me. I mean, many people... Have you met any members of the royal family? No, never uh, uh, introduced to by the royal family, but I can say that Princess Di came to two shows. Did she? One at Oxford University and one at Cambridge University. Did you so see she, her in the audience? Yeah, oh, yeah, we all saw her in the crowd. Did you speak um, to her afterwards? No, and she hadn't married Charles at this point. Oh. So we was all in line. And all in love, I should think. Yes. <laughs> was she beautiful? Yes, she was, indeed, yes. And we knew of her because of her hairstyle. And if you actually look at our Top of the Pops appearance of the Can-Can, we all have, well, all the rest of the band have Lady Dye wigs on, oh. which nobody realised. It was one of those unfunny jokes of bad manners. <laughs> Is it fair to describe bad manners as a covers band? Um, no, but we are, we particularly do take a cover on and win it over as our own. Um, things like Wooly Bully, which has been with us from day one, has become our song and, you know, people know our version better than they do the original. Well, I'm not saying the original, but as good as. So how so, many of the hits did you write yourselves? Oh, quite a few. I mean... Uh, that's a question that's going to take some time to work out, but I would say 80% of the ones we wrote ourselves. Okay. Right. Oh, that's good, isn't it? Because it means you get better income, isn't it? Oh, of course it does. Although, yeah. you know, we can say that we didn't write the can-can, but of course it was out of copyright, so in fact we received a large chunk of it, but we had to give some publishing rights away to a charity that they'd set up. Yes. And did Bad Manners ever turn down a song which you later regretted declining? Yes, definitely. Yes. Red Red Wine. Neil Diamond offered that to you? No, Neil Diamond didn't offer it to us. 
a member of Magnet Records right. said you should do that song and then a month or two later knew before he'd released it and I thought wow we should have done that the song by the Piranhas Tom the Lerda, yeah Tom Hart yep. we should have done that as well that would have been a definite Bad Manners cover yeah that would have been super you still could do it though couldn't you it's been a we while we could since but it, you know it's been done isn't it and uh, done brilliantly I have to say they were yes in, yeah. yes um, yes so we we have actually used it in a football song here and there what was the relationship between bad manners and madness like in the early 80s so first of all it was a very friendly bubbly relationship we was very happy to see each other and then there was a strange food fight that went on in victoria at a gig and after that it sort of mellowed out and the only person who would talk to us was Suggs and and tomo the uh, saxophonist and we felt that they were sort of the rich kids and come from Camden Town and Kentish Town and we were the poor kids from Hackney and Finsbury Park mm. so it was always that sort of oh they do better than us and of course you know throughout my career the amount of people that have said oh hello Suggs oh has always been quite an insult to me, but uh, but I'm sure it was for him if he ever got called Buster Bloodfed. <laughs> I, I also imagine you and Suggs would be great mates because he seems well, a very we happy bloke as well. Yeah, we were. Um, when my girlfriend left me, and I was living in Margate, and he was living in Whitstable, which I believe he still does, I ended up in his local pub, not knowing that he was going to be there, and I cried in my pint for a whole day while he sat and drunk with me. What year was this? Oh, uh, I'd say 15 years ago, 20, right. maybe longer. And you got on well though, I imagine? Yeah, yeah, we did, yeah, and yeah. we still do. I mean, he's invited me to do a few things with him when he was doing some stuff with Channel 4, uh, and we've always got on quite well, yes. Because there's been a madness stage show of their hits, and he's been touring as well. Have you thought of doing a kind of audience with Buster Blood Vessel or something? No, because I still don't think it's anywhere near as good as Bad Manners playing. Yeah. I've done my own PA tours, yeah. where I just sung with a backing tape, but I didn't enjoy them as much as I enjoyed playing with Bad Manners. So after a while, I just said, I'm not doing this no more. I'm going to carry on just doing gigs with bad manners so of all the other artists who are you best mates with what at the moment yeah tony hadley which we call tiny hadley <laughs> and he's quite a big chap he is quite a big chap yeah we actually got on very well he sat on the um pa desk and he was listening to us with a bad manners t-shirt on and we was quite proud that he'd actually wore a shirt and was admiring us yeah and were there any artists you didn't get on with? Uh, apart from Madness. <laughs> um, the Madness thing goes back to when, when I was with Ian Jury, and of course, he didn't like them because they was on the same stiff label together, and he thought that really they were nicking his persona and his whole idea and not doing it as good, although they had much success. So that's why he hated them so much, and I suppose... I sort of took on what he'd said to me. And the day that 
he died and when I went to his funeral and they all sang on his thing and I thought well that's a, a bit of a hypocrisy because he didn't like them and I would have done a much better job um, but uh, they muscled in and decided that they would do Ian Jury songs for him but yeah never mind to what extent did pop stardom make you a girl magnet over the years it's been very successful that uh, a large man should pull so many good looking women but I still have problems with women or they have problems with me I'm not sure <laughs> we all do yeah <laughs> and did you attract weird fans and fan mail um, very much so I mean uh, we noticed first of all when we was you know at our height that the craziest of people loved bad manners so you know we had like you know mass murderers who brought right to us we know the craze wrote to us did they yeah what did they say that we was fantastic or i was fantastic um and they really enjoyed our performances did you get to meet ron and reggie no i never did no no i had some uh, another friend who who had a connection with them uh, and of course they come from Stoke Newington well they, they did their murders in Stoke Newington and their mother lived in Stoke Newington which is where we're from what was your most memorable incident of fan worship did you like go to the hotel room and find a girl in your wardrobe or something um, I suppose my most famous memory of that is after when I was showed my bottom on Italian TV and the whole place was completely shocked by me. And I took home Miss Italy to my hotel room. And whilst we was getting down to the business, I heard a clunking noise outside and realised that somebody was climbing up the window to take photos of me. <laughs> and uh, so I just opened the curtain, saw that they were there, opened the window, which encouraged, because where the way they'd set the ladder up, it encouraged their ladder to fly off and the bloke went whizzing down and smashed himself on the ground and wow. and his camera got smashed a bit so I don't even think there was any photos taken. Wow, I hope he survived though. I don't know if he did or not, I, I presume he did. It was never in the papers that Buster killed a, a photographer so I presume he did. Which Pope was it? Paul. John Paul II? Yeah. Yeah, the Polish one. Yeah. And how long were you banned from performing in Italy? Well, that was also for the fact that we did this Italian tour and they put us up into hotels which were full of English antiques and we reclaimed a few of them. <laughs> and um, so we got this massive ban. They said it was a lifetime ban, but we certainly played Italy quite a few times after it. And I remember the first time that we sort of went back in and were thinking, and they went, we remember you. And that's all they said. Oh. And down the decades, what have you done to get yourself worked up before a performance and to calm down after a performance? Okay, so to work ourselves up, there is a famous Bad Manners warm-up that we do and we have done from the first gig ever, which our harmonica player taught us, which was to rub our hands very hard and fast and then to put our hands onto our heads, our forehead, and then to rub our um, temples, and then to shout some nonsense, 
and then to end with the hand warming again and then we go on stage and that was what makes us go a little bit more wilder once we get on stage and that has been very successful with everybody that's ever been in bad manners um, coming back off stage I think like everyone we just have a calm drink and sit down maybe discuss the gig the good points and the bad points there's always good and bad points in every performance and it sort of brings us back down to earth mm. but the the beer is most important. And because of your look and attitude on stage, did guys try and pick fights with you? Yes. Um, I've even had people that were climbed on the stage to stab me. Did they yes. succeed? No, they didn't. They didn't. Uh, the guitarist just kicked him straight in the... Well, he was carrying it in, his, in the mouth, and he kicked him straight under the chin, and he went flying back into the crowd. Um, yeah, I've had people try to fight me on stage. Usually they're in the worst position because they're climbing up to get on the stage. So I'm in the more powerful position and I can just push them back down, which usually irritates them and they want to kill you at that point. Did it ever get dangerous, though? Did you ever get attacked oh, properly? Oh, in, in, in the early um, 80s, it was quite fruity, shall we say. There was lots of occasions where we felt quite threatened and there was lots of riots that happened and we've had to barricade ourselves into dressing rooms and smash up the nearest piece of furniture that we could and all make sure that we had weapons to protect ourselves because when we're all together we become our own little army yeah because there's nine of you right yeah there was always at least and then there's the road crew and you used to throw water around on stage did that ever get dangerous well, no, people often thought that it would be dangerous. And then health and safety nowadays, you would not even dream about doing it. But I used to do it every night, and it never got anybody, because I'd, it would be for the audience. Hmm. They'd be that hot and sweaty by the end of it, when we'd be doing that special throw. That's the end song of the first part of the set. So, first of all, I'd drink out of the pint glass, and I'd throw that at them, and there'd be a big cheer. So then I'd go to the back of where the drum kit was and pick up a bucket and splash it over everybody. And they used to love it. It used to go down really well. It was the highlight of the Bad Manners gig for a lot of people. Was your lifestyle during the early 80s as wild as your image suggested? Yes, I think it was. I mean, I, I wasn't trying to live up to any off-stage image but um you know in them days invited to many parties always sort of in the pub always drinking always being the center of attention wherever i was yeah so i suppose in some ways it was what were you eating and drinking too much of i used to be fascinated of the fact that i could get too Donna kebabs into my mouth at the same time <laughs> um, and I used to do that to impress everybody so that was definitely one thing that I shouldn't have been doing then and at the time I was drinking pints of tequila and orange or tequila and grapefruit the BBC DJ Richard Skinner once claimed you ate 25 Big Macs during one of his radio shows is that true yes before that I'd been 29 and I was actually going for 30. That was my record, 29. And 
I um, got to 29 and I was sick. I bet. So avoided the the, uh, the bet was avoided. Um, and it was with somebody at our record company who took, took me on on the bet. But the 25, yes, I remember it. That wasn't easy. I couldn't eat any more after the 25. Yes, ridiculous behaviour. Were you never worried it could kill you? Yes, and doctors said you carry on doing that and you will be dead. Yes. So. What, what year did they tell you that? Well, very early, 1980. Really? Yes. And you never stopped? No, I didn't stop. But I didn't actually eat that many. I went off of Big Macs, luckily. And did yeah. bad manners ever get into drugs? Well, I mean, I think most bands have a dabble in it. We certainly did do a bit of dabbling in it, yes. Did you like it, or did it freak you out? It did freak me out, but um, at the same time, when everyone's doing it and you're on that high, it's quite enjoyable, so yes, I did enjoy it. Mm. To what extent did people say you were setting a bad example to the young? <laughs> um, very much so. Um, I think that that has been an accusation that's been made a few times. I never thought that I was. I think that my lifestyle and the way I performed was my lifestyle and the way I performed. And it had nothing to do with bringing up the youth of today. Mm, fair enough. And did you live the rock star lifestyle of buying a mansion, fast cars, throwing TV sets out the windows and so on? No, none of that. I bought a house in Stamford Hill, if that's part of the mansion, but I lost that in the early 90s mm -hmm. by forming my own record company and taking loans from the bank, which then they liquidised me and took the house. Wow. So yeah. were, were bad manners ripped off like so many artists? Well, I've still not been paid any DRS from any of the songs I wrote. Yeah. Are you working on that? No, I'm not. No. You know, I feel that they're the ones that should be paying me. And they should be coming looking for me, but they never do, of course. So you should be like a multi-millionaire? I should be, but I certainly ain't. Right. Are you even one times a millionaire? No. Not even one times. You must feel quite resentful about that, don't you? No, I mean, I, I do what I do to live, um, and... I'm pretty good with money. I certainly don't envy anybody who's got more money than me. Do you still have and maybe wear any of the outfits you wore during the Bad Manners heyday? No, unfortunately anything that was popular, the Henry Gates outfit or the Can Can dress, we auctioned all of those off for charity at the time. Oh, okay. Was a Bad Manners movie ever suggested? Many times suggested, never done. And there's been many a person that's come on tour with us, but they don't last. And there's lots of footage that one day we could put it all together. And many people have asked me to write a book. But as I said to them, I won't write the book until I go to prison. <laughs> Why would you go to prison? <laughs> well, I don't know, but if I ever do, then at least I know that I've got a book to write when I get there. <laughs> um, because there's no other way of earning money inside. How many millions of records are Bad Manners believed to have sold? 
I'm now you say it. Right, so I know that the can-can actually hit a million. That was what Michael Levy told us, and he wasn't known for his truth. So if he told us we sold a million, I certainly believed that that was done. And that was just the one single. Yeah. So I don't know how many more millions all the rest would add up to. Why did the hits dry up in 83? I suppose everybody has their period, and that was our period. We still did write some great songs after that, and we had minor hits, but nothing to the extent of what we did. Plus, we'd left Magnet by then, and they were a driving force behind us. Do you think it was a mistake to leave them then? Yes, I do believe it was a mistake to leave them, but they weren't treating us and... They still wouldn't believe that video was going to ever catch on. So they had a very sort of Philistine attitude to today's music. How hard did you find it being in less demand? I found it okay because we we was less demand, but live we always excelled. Yes, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. You hadn't obviously made so much money by then that you didn't need to work or worry anymore. I wouldn't say we made that much more money, no. Um, there was nine people in the band, so, again, I don't think it was about money. It was For me, it was earning enough to pay the mortgage that I needed to pay. And has there always been a Bad Manners touring and releasing records, or have yes. you taken long hiatus at some point? No, um, the time I took off at any period was for when I had my um, two-thirds of my stomach cut out and the two years of Covid. Otherwise, it's always been there, the band. Somewhere along the line, there's always bad manners, yes. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier about the two movies that you did in 1987 you weren't too happy with. Did you ever turn down any acting roles that became successful for others? No. I, I certainly went for a few, but I never got the chance to get them. There was a character in the Bond film can't even remember which one it was. They asked me to do it and somebody else got it. They were obviously a better actor than me. Did you watch it? No, I don't think I did. No, I think I was jealous of it. I bet you'd love to have been a Bond villain, wouldn't you? I would have loved to have been, yes. I would have set my my career right up, I would have. Were you a bit gutted then? Yes, I was, yes. Yes. I always believed I was quite a good actor but I don't think anybody's ever written the part that I would like to do. What can you tell us about Fatty Towers in Margate? What was that experience like? Well, that was quite fun. It's something I set up as a silly idea. I went to Margate and realised that the properties were very good prices, and I took on a a huge ex-London holiday hotel, Mm -hmm. And it had 74 rooms. It was huge. Lift all floors. Uh, its own access to a beach, which almost became a private beach just for Fatty Towers. It was really great. So I decided to come up with this silly idea for large people. And of course, the sun took it to heart that this was a great idea and backed me fully. But they kept using it as it wasn't a hotel, it was more of a bed and breakfast, which it never was. It was a hotel. And that sort of cheapened it. And, of course, 
they asked me to do an advert which didn't work out too good for it and also the people of Margate because I became a sponsor of Margate Football Club mm-hmm. and at that point they drew the cup with Fulham who had just been taken over by Al Fayad and at the time Princess Di and Dodie um, were, were an item and then of course she died and then he's now in charge of Fulham Football Club and it was drawn that they would play Margate so he said he was coming to the match in his helicopter with his 70 bodyguards and he would land on the beach and I said well I would meet him on a camel at the beach side and of course the people of Margate Football Club didn't find this funny or amusing at all and hated it but the son absolutely loved it how hands-on were you at the hotel? I've never been good behind the bar. I've always been good this side of the bar. Propping it up? Yes, propping it up and, and, and talking nonsense. That's what I'm good at. How long did you have that hotel and what made you give it up? The council had caught me serving a employee at 5 o'clock on New Year's Eve five o'clock in the evening and because he wasn't a resident of the hotel they were going to find me for that and I said this is absolutely ridiculous I mean he works for me um, and he hasn't got a room I was being quite honest with them and they said well that's against our rules unfortunately and against your licensing so they started to write to me anyway once they did start to write to me saying we're going to take this to court I said well okay then we'll sod you and I gave the whole thing up. Have you ever been back to see what the building is now? Yes, yes, they've, they've converted it into flats. It's quite a shame, really. Fatty Towers was a bundle of fun, and a lot of people came there and had good times. I mean, the whole concept was to eat as much as you could and to drink as much as you could, and we would charge you for that. Our big thing was the breakfast in the morning, if you could eat the full big one you got it for nothing <laughs> how of big course, was it oh huge absolutely ginormous did you finish you know, it yeah i finished it a couple of times i had to do that just to show people it could be done oh yeah i know it's like 10 sausages 10 bits of bacon four eggs you know just a ridiculous amount of food Oh, were you never uh, ill after eating such gigantic meals? You know, some people that have the capacity to eat, and I had the capacity to eat. Mm. Was I ill? Yes, I think it did make me ill many a time. Yeah. Um, but, you know, once you throw up, you throw up your contents of your stomach, you can go again. After you lost weight, did the tradition of audiences shouting fat bastard to you change or stop? No, it never changed. I suppose they saw I still have a fat brain. Um, Because, no, it never stops. It's never stopped. And it's something that I encouraged from an early age. From when I heard them shouting it, it was at a Manchester United game where they were shouting, you fat bastard, at the referee. (laughs) And I thought, one day that's coming for me. And so I encouraged it by 
we wrote a song called You Fat Bastard, <laughs> and it's still sung to us today. We never play it, but it's sung to us. Brilliant. And to what extent did your performance change when your appearance changed? Did you have to kind of tone down your act to be more healthy and not be quite... No, no, no. No, if anything, a, a lighter weight, I was more like a, a belly dancer than I'd ever been. <laughs> so it encouraged me to go even more crazier. And have you had to make any changes to your act due to political correctness? We are non-political, thank goodness. That's something I'm very proud of, that we've never discussed or encouraged any political movement at all. Basically because we knew that it's not a good move. And if you agree on something, somebody disagrees with you somewhere. Now, I was thinking more about political correctness in what you can say these days. I mean, for instance, the lyrics to Lorraine are questionable, yes. you know. If well, I that's find right. her, I'm going to kill her and things like well, that. Well, that's right. But yeah, that's how you take it, isn't it? Yeah. Some people would take that as non-political, and some people would say that is a no-no. You mustn't be able to say that sort of thing. But you still um, do I, it. I still feel the awkwardness of that line, but still do it. Yes, of course we do. Right. It's a great song, and it and the meaning is great, because it also it says, "Now I found her, not going to kill her." Because <laughs> the Rolling Stones dropped one of their songs for pretty correct reasons. Did you think they were wrong to do that? I believe they were. Yeah, not not the sort of thing bad manners would do. What's your home like? May we know? It's a houseboat. Why a houseboat for you? My mother lived in it, and so it became mine, and I liked the lifestyle. And for the last 25 years, I've lived on a houseboat. And you don't want to be on dry land? <laughs> well, you know, London's prices have gone up to a price where I can't really afford to buy a, a house, so I'll stick with my houseboat. Hmm. Have you had any accidents on it? I mean, you're... <laughs> You're quite Pulling a big in. bloke. Well, I mean, you know, do you tip it over accidentally or so? By sitting? No, 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 I never tipped it over, but I've certainly fallen in a couple of times. <laughs> Once when I was extremely drunk, I did ride a bike and that went into the water and then I head-butted the uh, side of the metal hull and split my head completely open. Now, I've still got a scar on, above my right eye. You've had quite a life, haven't you? Yes, I have, indeed. <laughs> Is there much evidence of your career in your home? Have you got posters and pictures and things like no, that? No, I don't, I don't have things like that. At one point, I certainly did desire to have that in my, where I lived, but I, I never have done that. Have you got homes um, anywhere else? Yes, I've got a home in Bulgaria. Why Bulgaria? Just cheap and um, reasonable, very nice to live, nice people, good food really nice healthy food what music or radio stations do you listen to i'm more of a talk sport fan i like to listen to classic radio if i'm listening to anything of an evening i like to hear um some of the pirate stations when i'm just want to hear some livelier music you listen to classical music yeah what's your favorite Anything that takes my fancy at the time, you know, I wouldn't say that I'm a fan of any particular artist, although Beethoven wrote some, some great tunes. <laughs> uh, 
But no, I mean, it's just that music that makes me relax. So when I'm in that relaxing mood, which is not often, I must admit. Uh-huh. Usually a bit I'm, hyper, are you? Yeah, much more hyper. But I'm more of a film man. I like to watch films to relax. What's your favourites? My favourite, Clockwork Orange. Yeah. One of the many reasons so many of us love your music today is because it's such fun and it's very catchy and you can sing along and dance along to it. Today's music is so miserable, isn't it? Um, just... I think it's all about rushing your lyrics nowadays. It's who can sing the fastest. It's more about speed than it is quality of tune. What I'm talking about is the rap. You have to have a rap with every song these days. And okay. it's just... It's just fast words really you know repeating themselves and and, and i find it very childish really and, and i suppose that means that i'm getting older what music do you like of today's artists which which artists? um I, I mean okay so is it today's or is it a little bit of yesterday but amy winehouse is my preferred artist these days and what about ed sheeran and adele and people like that okay so adele is a friend of my daughter's so I've certainly respected stuff, and she comes from the same area that I came from. Ed Shearer, no, not really my cup of tea. Yeah, I just find them a bit miserable, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. Not memorable. I can't imagine anyone still playing it 40 years on like we do with your stuff. No, that's right. It does worry me. I don't know how depressed the, the nation in 40 years' time is going to be, but looks to me like it's going to be quite depressing. To what extent do you feel you and Bad Manners have been given the credit you deserve? I don't believe we've been given the credit we deserve, but I suppose longevity is the best thing that I can be rewarded. We certainly have, have had a lifetime full of fun, so I'm lucky in that respect. Will you ever retire, or do you plan to bop till you drop? I will bop till I drop, definitely. I no plans for retirement I enjoy what we do and I don't know how long I've got left but certainly you don't really worry about that do you you just carry on but I've not said to anybody right this year we're going to retire mm. no that doesn't seem to come into my vocabulary I can imagine you being very fidgety and not knowing what to do with yourself if you retired well that is it you know I, I can't handle those moments where there is no work on the horizon. Yeah. That, to me, is quite a depressing fault. Do you want to live to a ripe old age? I think I deserve to, if this strong heart carries on. I'd like to, yes. How would you like people to remember you after you do leave this planet? <laughs> As that man they all laughed at. <laughs> or laughed with. Well, I'm still laughing, that's the truth. What about as a performer, though? Yeah, as this fun guy. I mean, our songs are not serious songs, so I wouldn't want us to be thought of as anything serious. But certainly as the fun element that you don't get with many bands. Mm. Thank you so much. It's been absolutely brilliant. A real ambition <laughs> fulfilled now, so I Thank really you. appreciate it. And no problem. My pleasure. And all the very best for the tour. I hope it goes a great success again. I'm sure it will, because they always do. Yeah. People love us at Christmas. Oh, yeah, including me. Thank you very yeah. much. Please nice. come along. Thank you. Take All care. Right. All the best. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.